Hello and welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dushkin Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in intervention. I'm Beth and John. I'm a GP trainee, actually researcher trainee, specializing in everything and nothing. Darusha, your voice is sounding particularly husky this evening. This is your new podcast <laughs> voice. It is. It is. I've, over the last week, I've just been cultivating this new me. I've had a yeah thank you and <laughs> no I've had a cold and Lily had it first she sneezes and that I get unwell and I <laughs> went to Glasgow for a course and I was a very brave boy like I made it out there but I was coughing the entire time it was worth it though I don't think the cold weather of Glasgow helped that much so you've I'm got kids germs go and then you've got like dirty plane germs on top as well which is yeah sounds like a lethal it. combination man yeah, exactly. And then I like spread it to a whole other city in another country. Patient so. <laughs> zero, just like exactly. traveling the UK. Yeah. Yeah. But, but do you know what, there. man? Thank you. Thank you for getting off your deathbed and here tonight because it's very much <laughs> well, appreciated. Oh, yeah, thank you for rescheduling several times. I'm sorry for flaking. Oh, around. don't be down. I was going to say, I like panicked actually because my intention was going to be that you were going to introduce the episode and I was going to be like, oh, where am ah. I? What's going on? <laughs> and then I like, jumped in with it. But then just, I, got, oh, I didn't well. even get that. It would just be this huge like silent pause for 10 minutes. Like, Should one of us speak How now? We... Yeah. yeah. What do we do? <laughs> it's not as if anyway, you've done this before a few times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to say the other day, oh, you've done a few episodes now. And I was like, yeah, 100. This must be, this will be our 118th Ooh. episode. That's crazy, and isn't it? it? Yeah. I, I went to see some friends this evening and they're, one's a doctor, one's, one's a, a mental health practitioner. If they are listening, hi, Heather mm. and Tanya. But yeah, so they, I, I was saying, oh, I've got to get back. I've got to record a podcast later. And I just forget that I just, I feel like sometimes Twitter and stuff is like a different part of my life, isn't it? And the circles yeah. don't always meet. And they were like, what do you mean you do a podcast? And I was like, have I never told you this before? And I was like, I must have. And it's just such mm. a big part of my life. So I was mm. just explaining to them what it was. And I, I was looking and I was like, oh, gosh. Because they said, oh, maybe we can listen to some of the episodes. And then there's, I was like, oh, gosh, there's nearly 120 of those, <laughs> which is mad. But I still remember listening to that first one with you and Imran and thinking, oh, this is really cool. But yeah. it's. Just, I know, it's such yeah. a long time. I'm like oddly impressed by our staying like especially between the two of us like our staying power and mm. continuing it going so like i like um, we we enjoy it i think as well don't we and we've all we've always yeah. said this like i genuinely do look forward to this kind of every week because i just think it's like it's just a chance to have a bit of a catch-up event and a bitch with your mates isn't it like and i think yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it's always feels like a shout out to our sponsors at scrubs underscore uk scr bs underscore uk they put you in scrubs very excited to say that they have launched some new designs very exciting i know new colors new fit um they're looking pretty tidy we've got ours have you got yours you should get yours yeah um so they design scrubs that are comfortable practical durable and they look really good um and they are suitable for anyone who works in a clinical setting that's doctors nurses dentists carers um, allied health professionals um vets you name it check them out and do use our promo code which is two medics t-w-o-m-e-d-i-c-s 10 to get 10 percent off treat yourself treat yourself i've got my first pair this week and the fabric is top notch that the days of those scratchy hospital cotton scrubs are no more this nice. is this is luxury cut, cotton they're Honestly, cut it's, above aren't they it's, it's they're so nice so yeah i would definitely recommend especially with the new fit gorgeous yeah. gorgeous bloody cool. gorgeous 
All right, let's get on with it because we've got a lot to talk about today. Going on to the first topic, which is one of those evergreen topics that comes up every so often, right? It's unpopular opinions in medicine. They never end up being super unpopular, to be honest. It's one of those say what everyone's thinking kind of thing. Yeah. But it generated some interesting responses. Do you have any unpopular opinions you want to share or um, what kind of piqued your interest? I don't think it's, yeah, I'm not sure if it's like unpopular opinions. We always talk about, well, we have talked about language quite a lot, haven't we, on the podcast and things mm. about just hating terms like poor historian and stuff. And I think sometimes I think, is that actually unpopular? And I think it is sometimes because people are like, what else am I meant to say? Or what if they are an, a, a poor historian? But it's quite mild as things go. But like you said, there's lots of replies. There was just one really cutting reply that was just, if you shut up and listen to your patient, they might actually tell you what's wrong with them. I was like, go girl. Yeah. What's, what's going on there? I feel like there's a There's something going on, right? isn't it? Like, this lady is angry. But yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> moving this, on. Yeah, there's right. And so there are a few interesting ones, which I'm not really sure how to take one. This is Tamara Hajat said, Every hospital should have a cat. No explanation, just that. Do you know what? I'll get on board with that if she wants to get a therapy cat for the yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Or a dog. I'd prefer it. Yeah, I think like therapy dogs is, uh, mm. is a great idea, to be honest. Cats, I guess they're probably less costly. Maybe that would be the NHS So version. much more unpredictable as well, isn't it? That's true. This is very NHS, isn't it? It's oh, there's like, one here that says of... residency salary should start at 100k. I'll take that for the equivalent yeah. of UK yeah, yeah, doctors. Yeah, yeah why enough. not? Yeah. Someone said fibromyalgia doesn't exist, which is rubbish one this obviously but this one it's probably what we're all thinking cardiology isn't that interesting that was by isn't that who said that that was by at it's former coney underscore so go beat oh, them up <laughs> oh yeah i actually think i, I put another, how dare they i think i put another tweet later on in the podcast somewhere about someone else slating cardiology i didn't oh, realize what? this was there man i'm, I'm sorry that this I'm an ill man. I'm an ill man. It's easier to like kick a man when he's down. I'm all about the dirty tactics. But yeah, there's there's some good ones. I like all the ones that say, if you're not going to do anything with the test results, don't do the test. I feel like that's a huge bugbear. And that's quite, it's quite a good one. One that actually, I think, I thought I was being quite controversial, but I only got one reply. Is that when people are saying they either want to do gastroenterology or cardiology, and they're implying that they're similar. I'm like, they're not similar at all. You're not fooling anyone. Like, they're not. Like, people go, oh, there's like procedures a bit, mate. In gastro, there's one, maybe two procedures. What, colonoscopy like, and OGD? Different and holes and different tubes, man. Yeah, no, I know, but no, like, how le- difficult are they really? There's much less poop in cardiology, I would hope. Exactly, right? So there's that. And the types of procedures in cardiology are, ver- are very different. Yeah. And it's much harder and much more stressful to do cardiology. So like... You can't compare the two. You mm. either want to do the lifestyle choice procedures, which is gastro, or cardio. Like, I just, I don't think it's, it's there's, yeah, no, there's, there's no, no choice between yeah, them. They yeah. have no business being together. There's a very loose, um, so, yeah, yeah, tenuous link there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just don't go comparing them. It really yeah. upsets me greatly. If you want to do a yeah, yeah. Poop, the ones, no, one's a poop no. specialty, one's a blood specialty. Let's go with that. But, blood um, specialty. Blood, oh, that's, maybe blood. you should call it, I'm, I'm the blood. <laughs> I'm the blood specialist. No, but there I'm was not. no. Yeah, actually, that's hematology. Damn. Yeah. I'm the plug guy. You're, you're the, the yeah. You're the pump plumber. Pumpy pump. That sounds awful. <laughs> you're the pump pump man. But lower, lower yeah. Talking about specialties though, there was one that said there is no such thing as a soulmate specialty. 
so many students worry about picking the right specialty or the specialty they were born to do, when in reality, we would all probably be happy in a number of different specialties, which I think is very fair because I didn't have a bloody clue. And neurosurgery was almost like a happy accident, which sounds wrong as well. But yet it was. And I just think it is, that's true, isn't it? Because I always get a bit cringe when I sometimes kind of see first year medical students and they say, oh, I've always wanted to do cardiology. And I, I'm not always sure that they, they know what that means and stuff. And I think it's quite early to get set on things, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, that's true. I think people's perspective on life changes. And totally. I don't know. I think, I think people should feel that one of the problems is, I think with that whole idea of this kind of Cinderella specialty that you're just waiting for your opportunity for, is, is that how invested they are in that kind of on a narrative level like in the story that they tell themselves like it's supposed to because you become a bit wedded to it yeah and the thing is that sometimes that can detract or it can undermine genuine unhappiness with certain sides of it and perhaps they don't see that quite so well Mm. because they think like in a bad relationship things that they consider that they might accept and that's not to say that there aren't sacrifices that people make but i think the thing to say is is that it's just not that simple simple and it's completely reasonable to change your mind. So, oh, um, totally. Yeah, it's good. It's a good point. Yeah. That was a nice one. Zach had a nice spin on that, though, didn't he? So he was talking about popular opinions mm. in medicine. Do you, well, uh, one that I saw by Shai, which was very reasonable, which is removal of the Conservative government will reduce the levels of harm the NHS endures. Well, yeah. I think we can no disagreements. Yeah. I quite like yeah. the juxtaposition between that one. And then Jess Walker's one who just said the canteen should serve curly chips every day. <laughs> absolutely, girl. And that made That's me true. laugh because we were actually talking about fries this week. And I don't know yeah. how we got onto this, but I think you said you would be a curly fry if you had to I be would. a fry. And I said I would be a nice crispy waffle fry. And Which I think is, they're quite niche, aren't they? You don't get... That's me, man. There's no right. other Beth and John or John Bethan in this world. I am a, a, yeah. I, I'm a niche waffle fry. But I just, I I remember, I don't know why, but I just remember procrastinating so many hours of my life by, do you remember those old BuzzFeed quizzes? What type of bread are you? And you'd put put in like all these answers and I just, I was (laughs) wasted so much of my life on those kind of quizzes. But yeah, what fry would you be guys? What type of potato? Which Disney princess? Yeah, yeah, which Disney princess would you be? (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, what type of bread? What type of cheese would you be? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, what type of cheese would you be? I actually know... Lily would want to be a Red Leicester because I have asked her that. What would you be? I would probably be, oh, a nice bit of brie, I think, actually. Brie? Interesting. I love all cheese apart from blue cheese. I just cannot get my head around blue cheese. I can't. Why brie? Because brie. Oh, brie. So brie, brie I would use as like a substitute for butter if I could. Like, I just love it. (laughs) Wow. I would spread it on everything. Yeah. It's quite mild. It's not interesting, but it does sometimes make a bit of, Brie and chilli jam on toast is like chef's kiss. What would you Uh, be? I think I'd probably be Edam because it's a bit boring, but it's a kind of staple. It will last long in your fridge. It's a bit nutty. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's good melted. It's versatile, but you know what you're getting with it. I think I'm a bit like that. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I like Edam. Do you like like goat's cheese? See now... Halloumi is made from goat's milk, right? I didn't know I that. don't know. So I know feta is sheep's milk and I love feta. Yeah. But for me, like when I just cut goat's cheese is not the worst, but I feel like yeah. it tastes a like a farm. Like I just don't know how to describe yeah. it. But when I'm eating it, I'm like, this is what a 
farm and a goat would taste like. And I, you just I don't get know farm mouth. My, like. That's it. So I'm not sure if it's because neuro, being neurodiverse maybe that I can't separate the fact that there's a bit of an ick knowing it's coming from a goat and whether that is influencing okay, yeah. the fact that I feel a bit they're of an aversion to But they're it. all just teats, Therusha. Milk all comes from a teat. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I somehow you know, we don't judge where that teat comes from, but yeah, no, okay. I'm joking. No, but there is there is something to do with goat's cheese and like the texture, the smell, everything. I it just I don't know. It's just so farmy to me, and I just yeah. maybe a hint of manure. I don't know, but it's just yeah. no, no. I know what you mean it's weird. I remember like one of my first few dates with Joe, maybe like the third or fourth, and she had goat's cheese on her pizza, and I remember being like, "Oh, this oh, is a red suspicious. flag." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, oh. yeah. And then she couldn't eat it. Strike one. My thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, "Oh, I'd want to finish the pizza, but I got." But yeah, she did that, that on purpose. She just Joey doesn't share food, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want it. I don't want it. Oh. God. Sorry, yeah, I digress. So... I got that's classic new. No, that's good. It's good to talk. <laughs> it's good, it's good to talk about cheese. Yeah. Whenever. Always. Oh yeah, free. Oh, the thing about Belgian fries is, is that I swear they have a secret ingredient, don't they? That gives them a kind of slightly... Yeah. It's they're of, not just potato. It's, it's a bit of season. Yeah, it's a bit of flavour, should we say. You've got a secret ingredient. Yeah. Absolutely. Very British problems. Ways you've been instructed by a medical professional to get on an examination table. If you'd like to pop yourself on the table, if you'd like to hop up onto the table, if you'd like to climb up on the table, all three are usually finished with, and we'll have a quick look at you, or... And we'll have a quick look at what's going on. Now, I can tell you that I don't use any of those because I have obsessed about this particular sentence in itself. What do you use? Do you have a thing? So I I read this and I was like, no, I don't say any of those. And then I realised, of course I say those. I just felt like complete shade from this. I think I do. Oh, just pop up onto the... Yeah, pop, I say pop. Yeah, I don't know why uh, I say that. Yeah. I think I probably also say pop. Yeah, just like to pop yourself. I think I might say hop, actually. Yeah. And I don't say table. I make it weirder, unfortunately. Do you yeah. say couch? Like, it's just the ca- I say fucking couch. I say couch as well. Oh, yeah. Why do I do weirdos. that? It's an, yeah, it's oh. an examination couch. I don't think I'd want... Yeah, table sounds wrong to me, actually. Doesn't it? If but now like thinking about it, I'm like... Couch. But like, couch sounds wrong too. Oh my gosh, It just occurred to me right now. I don't know. Yeah. Because it's not a couch yeah. anyway. I like, I like Helen Metcalf because I feel, again, I'm getting called out but she says, I don't say hop or pop, just like I don't say just a small prick when I'm about to put in a needle. I might have learned the hard way. Yeah, that makes sense, girl. Now it's just, (laughs) could you please lie down on the couch so I can have a check of your tummy? Which is the couch thing again, so it's not just us. But I like, did you see Liam Barker's quote tweeted that? I just feel like it was so normal that he just said, I usually say, get on the couch, you bastard. (laughs) I could just say, like, see well. that in his Barnsley accent. Yeah, just get on couch, yeah. you bastard. Yeah, I, could just, I could just totally see that. Probably responded oh, quite God. well to that, to be fair. Oh, and he said it yeah, said bro. in the style of Mel B on Bo Selector, so my impression wasn't <laughs> that far. Oh, God. <laughs> First listen. Yeah. I think it is awkward, though, isn't it? I think, yeah. I think I usually start it with, okay, if I examine you. I just I, gesture towards off. this bed. Yeah. Follow me, please. God, yeah. Well, I, I guess that probably uh, makes it worse. I've had some interesting. Gone. No, you've had some. No, so I've what? had some interesting positions on said couch as well, and I'm just oh my god, every word I say just sounds horrendous tonight. But you know, when you say to someone about you're going to examine them a certain body part or in a certain way, and then I'll just let you get yourself sorted, and then yeah. come back around the curtain, and it's like that's definitely not the position <laughs> I told you to get into. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. like how, is, how are we here? And then I think, what are we going to do this? Yeah. yeah. And I thought, is that on me? Have I not explained enough? But then also some of the positions I've seen, I'm just like, that's, that's not natural. You'd have to think really hard to get into these kind of things. I was, when one guy was like on all fours once and I was just like, what's going on? I just really didn't uh, understand. What, were you, what oh, did you no, think was going to happen? No, actually, we talked about it. Like, yeah, it was like we talked about prostate and abdominal examination and stuff. And then I really didn't expect that. And I was just kind of like, what? It was down and facing dog. Yeah, I was just, I still pop on over for me. Is that word Because what do you say in these situations? Yeah. So it was just roll yeah. over. It's just on your back. It sounds bad, but yeah. yeah. Did I tell you that? My, the neuro exam one that I saw a GP do for the no. patient who had a headache is so bad. He's doing cranial nerve. Oh, gosh. And, oh, was he doing cranial nerves? No, he was doing like, oh, I don't even know what it's called anymore. You know, where you touch your finger and touch your nose. Oh, like past pointing and stuff. There'll be Ask a posture through. Ask, Ask me to do it. If you just take your finger and point to your nose and then next point to my finger. That's what he did. The problem, and then back to your nose. What's the next one? And then I'm just going to move my finger back to my finger. You're messing. No uh, way. No. No. Oh, and my I was, God. I, I couldn't. I lost it. I lost it. Lost for, it. So for the purpose of just realising this is not a visual thing at all, and nobody yeah, knows sorry. what we're... So essentially, and I've seen this before, because that's bloody brilliant. So obviously, Therusha had one finger pointing on his nose, and then when I asked him to point to my finger, he just kept that finger on his nose. And then use his other hand to point to my finger. And then at one point, his nose pointed at the finger. But, oh, man. And I just, but then you think, don't you? Are we just assuming that what? this is the natural thing to do? And it's interesting how people's brains work. Wow, we should do, exactly. we should do a visual representation uh, of that one. Yeah, that's We should, one. yeah. That because, like, why? In his head, he was like, why would I need to use the other finger? I'm already, yeah, this finger's good, in play. Man, so that's clever. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have thought that this finger is occupied. Yeah. <laughs> I will use my unoccupied finger to touch the doctor's finger. <laughs> that's what it is, Neil. Kudos to that man. He should be studied because that is a that's a powerful mind, man. That's amazing. That's a powerful <laughs> mind. I was like, do you know what? You just passed the exam. There is nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You, yes. do, do you know what? That's GCS sixteen out of fifteen. I'm telling you I now. Know. That is just. That's just surpassed That's so everything that could ever be like, yeah. Oh man, That's we should it. have harvested we've, him. We've, we've peaked, yeah. He is like the epitome. Yeah. He's Oh, bless him. But yeah. I couldn't, I lost it. I, was, I remember yeah, so I was a medical student and I just, just burst out. That is so good. Together. Yeah. Oh, so was that even Oski or something? You know, it, wasn't, oh, it was yeah. like, literally, I was like shadowing a GP. So yeah. I was oh, so yeah. doing it. And oh I was my just God. Like, yeah, that watch, would be the end Watching of me. the drama. Oh yeah, I couldn't. I, I failed it. an Oski station because it was like, it, it was a, a smear Oski station for finals. And there was like this rubber, like pelvis and stuff. And then they said, just put, you know, you put your gloves on and do, put the speculum in examination, show how you take a smear and things. And you're speaking to this like rubber pelvis, like it's a real lady. And, and they don't use any lubricant on the models because it does something to the rubber. So you don't, you can say that you put lubricant on, but don't do it in oh, the right. station, which was a bit mean because they had lubricant there. They said, just right. don't do it, but say he would use it. So I was like, okay. So I'm like, oh, hi, Mrs. Jones. Literally talking to a plastic fanny. Hi, Mrs. Jones. Yeah. My name's Beth and John. I'm a medical student. I'm just going to put some gloves on, examine you, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, it's just a bit cold going in. And I put the speculum into the vagina. And obviously I didn't have the lube on it. 
And then when I was like trying to pull it out, there must, some friction must have happened because it just wasn't, it wasn't coming out. And then I was like still in character and I was like, oh, I'm just having some difficulty taking the speculum out, Mrs. Jones. Don't worry. And then I just yanked it and it pulled the tube of the vagina inside out and it came oh. out like hanging like a trunk. Just, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Oh. Jones. This doesn't normally happen. Let me pop that back in for you with the examiner. I was just like, stop. She's like, no, just no. It. And I was like, just trying to, this long rubber tube that was like hanging out like a, tr- I was like, no, just pop that back in. Yeah. And she was just like, no. And I said, have I failed? And she's like, yeah. Oh, okay oh. then. Yeah. But I was just yanked it. I was like, oh, sugar. Yeah. It's just, That's oh, so funny. Just totally. Yeah. I think scarred Were you supposed right. to call the surgeons? Yeah. He's going to leave that hanging out for a bit. It'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least the smear is easy to get. It's in full view then, isn't it? It's outside the body, but. Yeah, God. yeah, not good. But that, yeah, that exam killed me, man. That's so good. I would have lost it as well. Totally. Yeah, I can't cope. This next one from Tom, do you want to tell us about yes. Tom Knowles' tweet? So I think this is getting like known more. And I just knew exactly what he was talking about before I even looked at the replies. But Tom said, I did something at work, which I've seen loads of people say works. I understand the physiology behind why it works. I know it is fairly commonplace. I'm still pretty chuffed that it worked anyway. Oh. Did you, what? would you I guess? I just saw, no. Would you not I didn't guess? Know that. So... I admit, to show how much of a nerd I am. Yeah. I thought he meant when people have SVT and you lift their legs up and they, I was oh, thinking of like I a tachycardia because I'm a loser. That's good. You like the pumpy um, pump thing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. on brand. Yeah. Sugar for reducible pharmosis. Yes. Please explain what the hell. So essentially, you just put sugar on it. Like that is any granulated, whichever, like, I guess mostly we'd have sachets available to us being in the hospital. Brown sugar, okay. Yeah. It's all about the osmotic kind of potential, essentially, and the water getting drawn out of the swelling. So they use it for dogs' anuses as well that have prolapsed. Oh, yeah, sure. Just drop that into conversation. But, oh, it's a beautiful thing. So, so I guess Truvia is a stevia. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about Candorel or I don't know about yeah. like the sweeteners or the sugar replacements, but your barn door, yeah. silver spoon a or gar- whatever the, yeah, agave syrup. Agar syrup. <laughs> just just going to squirt some of that on it. You, you know what? It might work though, actually. Right. I guess it's probably a bit but more like, sticky, but yeah, why not? Yeah. Sounds painful. Oh, that's true, like, yeah. It does. So, like, yeah. How did that discovery what is yeah. how? I think it's just someone maybe very sensible was thinking like very sensible. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to take the swelling out of this and the water, the the yeah. diffusion gradient or the osmotic gradient of water. I must get it out of the tissues and into this sugar. But right. I liked I like Tom's response to one of the replies that it says, "Yes, after promising the person, I really am a doctor and was not having him on." <laughs> and you can just imagine that actually, can't you? As a patient, so why are you like why? Yeah. 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 So, like, how much sugar? I don't think you need to like, dip it in bowl of it or like anything. Like a whole bowl of it. Just some on, like a sachet or two. Because, like, in an emergency, you might have to ask your neighbour for sugar, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's not, and it's you? not going to just instantly go back. It's, it right. takes a little bit of time. Because the other thing I was taught for this as well, so when I was doing, I don't know how this happens, when you, I was doing ENT on calls as part of neurosurgery at one point, and in covering ENT, I apparently had to cover urology as well, which I never understood yeah, out of hours. Yeah. And we had this talk from a urologist once and he was like, if you get anyone like this, just sit there 
and squeeze the tip and just stay there and just yeah. sit there holding and squeeze the tip and then eventually yeah. and I was like oh that's Something a good that's like a good tip I was like, he said well just make conversation like about the football or something whilst you're squeezing the right. tip because you're going to be there a while but I guess this is just maybe a more hands-off approach perhaps that you could have just do some of the things whilst the sugar's sprinkling I don't know yeah. but I just knew that's what he was going to say when I saw that tweet I just knew it was going to be the sugar thing yeah okay Fine. Yeah, cool. moving on. Yeah. That reminds me of the, the, the song, isn't it? Sugar, We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy. Oh, Sugar, I We're Going Down, Swinger. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, I think it's quite handy to know, actually, if you're, uh, like Helen was saying, this has happened in the community before and she's going to remember this now because it's a good point. You might save in a hospital admission and that's yeah. something that you could resolve at home with your own kitchen supplies and yeah. win a yeah, chicken dinner. And they'd be like, with the tea bags, have the sugar, and they'd be like, oh, well, yeah. you know, it's really actually quite important for work. Yeah, so I'm not just looking for a cup there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to take that seriously at all, but that's um, actually. No, but it's, no, it's good. That's the thing. Tom's just summed it up beautifully. Like, he had to yeah. explain yeah. I'm not having you on because it sounds yeah, yeah. ridiculous, this is, doesn't this it? Is yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Drew, oh my God, he, this guy again. Have we mentioned What's him before? This time? <laughs> oh, my God. He's like. He needs his regular column, doesn't he? So yeah. at the risk of causing a bin fire, it really creates on me when people I don't know personally send me correspondence in a professional capacity and address it with hi, Drew, or similar. I have earned a professional title and you've contacted me about work. It's Dr. Lawson Short. In the same vein, I would never address a more senior doctor by their first name until they make it clear that's what they want. I certainly wouldn't email them hi, John. It would be Dr. Smith. I've realised there are going to be those that think some choice things about me for this, but shrug shoulders. I'm quite happy being Drew to peers and colleagues of any discipline at work. If you don't know me, surely the courteous thing to do is to start formal and work down to casual <laughs> from there. <laughs> Enough. Yeah, I think, no, I think that's a fair point. And I think sometimes I find that women often have this viewpoint because of just obviously misogyny and things are different and things um <clears throat> sorry my voice went then but yeah I quite I agree with that and I think I'm in a recently I had a, a like an interaction with my senior who said that maybe it's a good idea if I was to introduce myself to patients as Bethan because Dr John might be confusing to them thinking I'm a man and but then that I was the only female person in this place of work so I was the only doctor having to go by their first name and all the other doctors were getting addressed as Dr. Surname. And hey. I was just like, that doesn't sit right with me. So I started introducing yeah. myself to patients as Dr. John because I'm not having that. And then they were like, oh, I've noticed that you're introducing yourself as Dr. John. You should be consistent. And I was like, this is the consistency. Like, I'm just doing the now, same as yeah. you guys do. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and I was like, if there's any confusion, it just takes three seconds to say, oh, Dr. John's actually a female. John is her surname. That's the only explanation you need. But I was just like, yeah, no, I totally get that because I think that was came about as I was having this conversation and experience in my own life. And yeah. I just thought, yeah, I, I don't, I generally don't mind peers calling me by my first name, but not at all. My colleagues, anyone who called me Dr. John as a colleague and stuff, I was like, oh no, please call me Bethan. But yeah. to patients and stuff, I just think I would definitely, it's just different. And I just do having that separation of things sometimes, those boundaries. But I see what you mean, like if it's you don't know somebody and then they're introducing themselves as Dr. Whoever, but then they call you by their first name. That's a bit weird as well, I think. It's, I don't know. Yeah. 
Joe Chappers, she asks, if you weren't a doctor, would you expect someone to address you as Mr. given surname? This kind of attitude just gives off God complex to me. Ooh. Agree, hi, Drew is very casual. However, if in the context of your of work, your title is a given, why do you need this to be acknowledged? Oh, I don't like that. What do you think? Sorry. Yeah, I don't know, because I think I do tend to call people Mr. or Mrs. or Miss if I don't know them, especially patients yeah. as well. I don't know if it's, again... I, I think yeah. I touched on this before with Ollie Burton yeah. mentioned something about surgeons and, and how he got burned before. And I'm very much of that same thing. And I'm, I don't know where it comes from. Is a surgical thing, an upbringing thing? I, I do not know. But I normally, again, if I'm meeting someone for the first time and a patient, for example, it's always like Mr. or whatever. Hmm. But I don't like this like insinuation that it's a God complex. It's literally just my title. And I don't see if I'm phoning a patient and I say, hi, this is Dr. John. I don't see that's not me thinking I'm better than that person. That is literally my name. Yeah. And I say, oh, is this Mr. Jones? Is this Mr. Phil Jones or whoever? I don't just say, oh, all right, Phil, this is Dr. John. It's not like that. It's, but yeah. the, the God complex thing is just, that's irked me a little bit, actually. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just don't think, I just sometimes I never, I don't really use my, I don't use my title at all outside of work to patients. And I just think I don't see myself as God, but that's, yeah, I, know, I don't know. It's, it always seems to be like on the flip side of it, isn't it? That if yeah. you do try and assert anything to do with your kind of being a doctor, that God complex and being arrogant yeah. and the things that, and when people are like rallying and using their first words, it's in this kind of attempt to not be seen that way. But it seems a bit sad that that's the assumption that's made just because you want someone to refer to you in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, because I think like I, for me, I think it is, it does help for me to have, like, it's like a boundary thing for me sometimes. Not that I particularly feel like there needs to be a barrier between me and patients. I just, it's just, I don't know. I just quite like that. I don't want, I feel like sometimes I am a different person in work. I don't mean I'm a wildly different person, but like I have my work persona as a doctor and things, but that's not yeah. me, the entirety of me. And I just quite like that to be a separate part of me sometimes. And yeah. that helps me separate that as well to like my home life. And being a doctor then doesn't come my, become my entire identity. And I just think, yeah, and, I, and sometimes I say to patients, oh, hi, my name's Dr. Beth and John. And I don't know why. And sometimes it could be the first time I've met them. And then they'll be like, oh, the thing is Beth. And I'm like, I, yeah, and I, yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I just could never do that as a patient. It just mm. feels, I don't know. I don't know what the right or wrong answer is, but I just resent being assumed that this is because I've got a God complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So moving on to something else. <laughs> moving on to I, I, find, I don't know. There's, there's, there are a few things in here that kind of irks them. Like this one, yeah. to me, imagine being on a 37 and a half hour contract like everyone else in the NHS. So roughly a day extra per week off. Seven and a half hours less than my current contract. Graduated in 2009. That means 720 extra days off an additional two years of leave although it is, is that Jamie right? that's tweeted this and so the maths could be complete i was gonna say yeah those maths I, I yeah I, i'm not a very massy person but i'm struggling to work that out yeah i don't know i don't know if we're gonna trust jamie on this or not but it sounds <laughs> think, like yeah lot. i see what i see what it means because full time for doctors is often 40 hours is it or 40 is over 40 hours i don't know if that means what the difference in leave means but like that i feel like 37 Point five hour weeks is more than a less is more like a less than full time trainee hours, and because of that, your leave is also reduced pro rata. So, it's is that even less leave? Like I, I don't know, but maybe I think my brain's going to combust if I think about that too much. I'm like I'm trying to work it out, and I'm getting all a bit like. Fair enough. That's you know, 
That's my fault for adding Jamie. No, no, Jamie said the standard con. So I think someone is an allied health professional just said, sorry, it might pardon my total ignorance. Do doctors work more hours per week than the rest of us as normal? I genuinely feel between full pay restoration and PAs, I haven't seen this raise as a concern. And Jamie just said the standard contract is 40 hours, but without of hours on cause, this can be up to 48. Yeah, so that makes sense. I've never worked less than a 45 hour average weekly contract. So that's fair enough. I think if you are in an on-course specialty, like your average hours per week are well over 40, aren't they, when you average them yeah. out over the year? But your leave isn't particularly... Like you still get the same amount of leave as someone who's maybe on agenda for change and is doing kind of full-time at 37.5 and still oh, getting six weeks of annual leave, if that makes sense. Okay. It's All not... Right. Yeah, it doesn't... There's no, It doesn't stop proportional yeah. in that respect. Yeah. Someone's... The next one... Which is related says a bit of a little leave goes a long way to bring you back when you get a bit overwhelmed in this job doesn't it and I definitely find that there are times where I started to feel a little bit tense and just and then you see that your annual leave is due and you're mm. like oh okay yeah some, it's become something it. that you need to like aim like you have to get to isn't it and sometimes that slog yeah. can be a bit hard and I think Bella said we don't have annual leave in the NHS we just have burnout recovery days which certainly <laughs> Sometimes it's, do you ever get that thing where you're just like, you're like, you're plowing on, your work's horrendous and then you get annual leave and then you just become sick because you just mm. stop and then you just get all yeah, these coughs and colds and you just think, oh man, that's definitely not how I yeah. wanted to spend my annual yeah, leave. That's a BMJ Christmas article, has got to be, surely. Or getting sick on your annual leave. Yeah, yeah like, I might do, I'll do like an RCT of that. Yeah, like the last day of your night's just starting to come down with a sore throat. Always, yeah. Scarcely. So KOD, he did a hot take. I don't think it's particularly hot, but yeah, we do daily like bloods on some patients because we aren't the ones who have to take them. Let's be real. A clinically stable person didn't need their CRP checked every day just because you wanted to see a trend. Yeah. I remember back in the old days when I was an F1 and had to do ward cover. We didn't, the hospital, the DGH I was at, we didn't have weekend phlebotomy rounds. So the bloods that you're doing on the weekend... Depended on what your fellow F1s thought you should be doing, which were yeah, also terrible. Yeah, on Friday. Yeah, totally. And, they, and you'd have to do them all, wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. And I had that I'd just as well. be like, no, nope, so not destroying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you'd just be like, hello, have you not done a weekend on call? Do you not know mm. how pointless these are? Like, why are you? Yeah. And who's like reviewing them? Because that was then also your job once you'd taken them yeah. all, was like technically your job to review as well as the myriad of all the sh shite that comes with ward cover. But yeah. yeah, and I used to hate that thing as well of like weekly bloods for monitoring when someone was like socially, yeah. was medically optimized for discharge, but maybe yeah. awaiting a package of care or social input. And it's like monitoring for what? Because if this person was in the community, they wouldn't be having this. And yeah. it's that thing, isn't it? Just, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I just think that people feel like they need to do something sometimes. Yeah. But I think what I didn't realize, and I just learned this very early on, someone, I think, I was doing bloods on someone and I just, in an inpatient ward, and I just did FPCU and ESCRP. And my SHO said to me, like, why are you doing a CRP? Are you worried about infection? And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, don't do it then, because, like, you're asking for trouble. We're not asking. There's no clinical question that would CRP would answer, which was a good point. And then he was like, that test costs money as well, so we shouldn't just be yeah, doing it just because we can. And I was like, oh, yeah. But that makes makes me think it's just sometimes you learn that rote thing in OSCEs, don't you? Yeah. Oh, what bloods would you do? So I do an FPC, CRP, yeah. UNE, LFT. But in reality, like, why? Don't go looking for problems, I think, is good advice, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. 
then one of the there was another tweet that was along those lines actually a little bit later on that whole kind of theme of actually i think that might have been an unpopular opinions which is don't bother asking for tests that you don't want to hear the answer to oh yeah you linked a tweet from ian soul to mm-hmm. us this one yeah so this was in relation to something that jacob dewolf had did originally about something to do with like hypertension and and well, how we manage yeah. hypertensive crisis and there's often that talk isn't it about people who just give like a bit of amlodipine stat yeah. and you know that's probably not doing anything for the patient it's just treating their own anxiety it's, it's like when people give rapid prn for people who have hyperglycemias and it's not actually changing anything in the grand scheme of things but yeah and then i think from that ian beardsell kind of commented and said that one of the biggest frustrations in emergency medicine at the moment is other specialties telling emergency medicine how to do their job or what their job is. How many guidelines and advice sheets end with, if concerned, go to A&E, which I assume this original one did. It's time to reclaim our specialty before it dies. And I think yeah. it's you could hear that. I do used to hear people all the time in GP and secondary care and tertiary care. If you didn't have access to an assessment unit or an A&E, people would be like, oh, just if you're just worried, go to A&E. Um, and it's easy to say that, isn't it? Like, yeah. do you think that's your safety net? But that's quickly going to get overloaded and taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, there are a few kind of about how difficult it is in A&E. And on that same kind of vibe, Claire said, people think the hardest thing about working in AD is dealing with sick people in death or all the abuse. These things are hard, but having to constantly apologize to people that the wait is over 10 hours, not being able to get on top of it, no matter how hard you work, is harder. Constantly feeling that you aren't doing a good job, that you can't give patients good care, that you can never give enough of yourself to make a difference is soul destroying. Mm. There are still things we do well and bits of my job I love, but political decisions have broken the system. This is not a one department or one region issue. This is a state of emergency care the country over, with some places hit even harder I hear the same stories from my friends all over the place with many departments in far worse state than mine. Staff everywhere are broken. It's that like moral injury of that, isn't it? That that people sustain and the moral injury then of like when corridor medicine became mainstay and is just a part of A&E and stuff now. And I think I was I read this tweet the other day, or was it yesterday, I think, about someone who had to go to A&E themselves and they were showing the wait time on the board going up and it was like past 13 hours. And they said that they'd been like sat next to a man who was sat in the waiting room and he'd been there pretty much that entire time and had not eaten anything. So they'd have to, this other patient went to buy him a sandwich and things. Mm. And there's very little as doctors we can do about that. And I think when Claire sums it up, like that must be like one of the hardest things because you don't, that's not what you want, but what can you, like, what can you do? It's that decision, like she said, is beyond us. That's like political decisions. And this is the situation Mm. we're now in. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. There was there somebody tweeted a picture of an ED board. I think it was from ten or two thousand and nine. Do you see that? I think and it was, it was empty. like an empty board. Yeah. And he was like, "This was within living memory. This is a photo to show that the A and E department was is empty at night, wasn't and, it? Um, it was a night. Yeah. yeah. And it was not a right. single name on the board. Yeah, I saw that. Mm. And I think I think even when I qualified as an F one, I had an A and E job in F one. There were times where there were like beds and stuff in the department and things just weren't, things were slow at some point. I just think that people wouldn't 
the youth of today wouldn't believe that now, Farusha. It sounds like a back in my day story, doesn't it? But it's not that long ago. Yeah. I did a nice tweet that said, Ward, I just, I don't know, lads. Discharging someone at 5.01 on a Friday sounds a bit risky. Let's keep them over the weekend to be safe. And then A&E, if we were pillows in the urinals, we could bed at least four more people in this toilet. It's the realities, man, isn't it? Store cupboards, galore. Yeah. I like it. Oh, go on. What did they say? Yeah, Claire replied to, this is clearly ridiculous and unrealistic. We don't have pillows. Yeah, it's true. No one's got spare pillows. Yeah. Yeah, I quite liked, I don't know why this tickled me so much, but Lindsay Forbes tweeted this week, talking about nights and stuff, which we were, that she fell asleep during an eyebrow wax, new level of post-on-call sleepiness. That is some feat, isn't it? That's um, She must have been super tired. It's a mad skill. Yeah, that's also a mad skill. And then um, Rosh Shan said, my first thought was, why is a kid getting an eyebrow wax under GA? Because if she (laughs) fell asleep anesthetizing them. But yeah, maybe Rosh is uh, post-on-call as well. Oh, there was a tweet that we've linked here, which is about mid-Twittergrama. That's, interestingly, oh, name names and stuff because it perpetuates the cycle, but essentially there's a person who got reported to their employer and apparently that's by a non-accounts because oh, not again. I think it's from the perspective of talking about a non-accounts or something. And of course. Like, but then I thought they were non-accounts because they didn't want to face vexatious GMC complaints. But they're happy to do it yet. to other people who actually yeah. feel or they have the balls to use their name. Yeah, I saw a couple of tweets along those lines and I didn't know who it was relating to and obviously I'm not going to ask here, but just to say that, yeah, it's really not cool to report people to your employer for arguments that you have on Twitter, which are just generally arguments and differences of opinion. And I feel like these people jump on it when someone's referred to their regulator, when a doctor's referred to the GMC, it's, oh my gosh. But then if they do the same thing the other way around, just you're no better. Yeah. Because, oh, don't be a dick. Um, That's just good sage advice it. that never, like, right. never I mean, gets you can take it in. Yeah. I guess because they don't, again, if you're anonymous, you're accountable to mm. no one, so you just behave like it. You don't have to act with any integrity at all. Yeah, Jamie Murphy was saying, Bodies was such a good series, highly recommend. Just wish I could tell a record, could send a record back through time to when I was doing my UCAS form telling me to put down economics and aim for banking. And I just wondered if you could have picked a career, you know, as a now for your 16 to 18 year old self say that money for training was no object and that you'd mm. be good at it no matter what you chose to do what would you do i love languages i love languages i would i'd want to be like some sort of high level translator for every language in the world or something i know that's not even achievable but i just love languages and i would love to have i think i would love i don't know if it's just because the grass is greener and stuff but i would love to have a job that would require me to travel like all over the world and stuff but to use that so there's a guy on I think I've said this before actually there's a guy on Twitter called Niall Harbison who's a guy that now lives in Thailand and rescues like lots of street dogs and he's setting up a hospital for abandoned street dogs and stuff my dream job would be to literally travel the world in a camper van like just rescuing stray dogs and getting them spayed or getting them the medical treatment that they need like feeding them then I could use all my languages that I've learned to navigate the vet system in other countries. So that would be like, That's cool. that would be my dream job. That would not be realistic, but in a realistic That's... way, yeah, I would definitely do engineering That's... because I look at my brother now ah. and I'm like, I want that life. Oh my ah. God, you're, 
you're younger than me and you're, you've outperformed me and out-earned me a million times. And I just, oh, he had his head screwed on, man, when he chose his subjects for university. What kind of, what kind of engineer is he? So he did mechanical engineering. He did that in a master's and we graduated the same time in 2013. So I moved to Liverpool to become an F1 and then he moved to London. And within a few years of that was then in New York, literally designing skyscrapers. And now he lives in North Carolina and he's like an independent structural engineer or whatever they call themselves, who literally just... Like they do blueprints and stuff for like just high rise buildings. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, he works life. really hard, honestly, but like he, he's rewarded for like the work he puts in and like the house he's got over there is like something out of Home Alone. Like it's that kind of house. Really? Yeah, it's, wow. it's phenomenal. And he's, he's, he's independent. He's done his exams, which obviously his work paid for him to do yeah. with all these extra qualifications and. Yeah, I just think that's, you know, that's such a good job, like, and yeah, and so interesting as well. What about you, ma'am? Oh, but anyway, like, I'm not jealous at all now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What what about you? (laughs) The home alone house. You had me at my house. Yeah, exactly. We'll be like the wet bandits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, if I could have been really good at it, I think, oddly, I'd have liked to have been something like a stand-up comedian. Oh, Um, I can see you as that dude, yeah. Oh, thanks. I, th- I quite like the idea of obviously like making people laugh and stuff, mm. but also just, just talking about stuff. Um, like observational things, isn't it? Like people get yeah, awesome. Yeah, and just complaining about things. Um, or probably something to do with cars. I quite like cars. Yeah. Like, I'd like to be rich. Some, would you like F1 type stuff, like Formula One? Would it be that uh, kind of, or like a collector? Anything, anything. Or Oh, any of those? One of the guys from Score, he ended up, he is... I think he was working for Renault for a while and then be Ferrari or something, but basically for one of the big Formula One teams. That's and he put pictures on Instagram and stuff and it looks really cool. But yeah. yeah, his job, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Any of those. There was, there was a go. tweet that I liked. It was completely unrelated, but it just reminded me of this. It was just a random tweet by Anna Kinsella. Don't know who they are, sorry, but she just said, my dream job is I go on a really long walk every morning, three to four hours come back to my desk at lunchtime and then write a 3,000-word th- report on the walk, end of day, send report to an email address that never, ever replies. And I thought that's oh. quite a nice, yeah, just nice, yeah, chill job. And I yeah, saw yeah, as well, yeah. which was quite, I don't know if this was worrying or quite impressive, but there was a tweet by oh. G- at GP Dr. Rivette Doc. I think she's a single-handed GP partner somewhere in England. And she, I know that she's currently looking for a practice manager at the moment after her recent one left. And she tweeted to say that she's had a couple of junior doctors apply for the role of practice manager at her surgery oh, wow. and just said, what's going on? Um, and has just tagged in a load of um, general practice people. But I thought that's quite interesting. Um, and I don't know mm. if that's just like junior doctors being smart or part of me being super cynical was like are people trying to prove a point by then saying, oh, I wasn't see. approved. I couldn't apply this job because I'm a doctor. And like how doctors can't apply to go on PA courses and stuff. I wasn't sure if it was like going to end up oh, down, see. Like a point down that route. Thing. That was just my cynicism, obviously. Like Interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was quite a weird one. I wonder why, what's happening there. Yeah, watch this space. I imagine something will come of that sooner. Yeah, sooner some, someone's doing a bit of investigative work there, aren't they? Or what they think they are. Yeah. Someone said, my hospital accommodation heating appears to be set to barbecue mode. I've asked if the temperature can be turned down. At least timing's reduced, but apparently something to do with the heating system means nothing can be done. 
pools are drying out. Oh, that sounds about find, right for energetic. Yeah, it, it's yeah. So the super super cold. Yeah, Most. when it's cold during the summer and it's super hot. And, mm. God. I remember on nights in my old hospital in neurosurgery, like there was like yeah, the heating was always on furnace mode. And we would be like right. going around at night, just like throwing all the windows open on the corridor because there was no way to turn it off and absolutely sweltering. And I don't know, there must be so much money wasted in the NHS on barbecue mode heating. There's no, <laughs> this, it's insane. The gas, it's man. True. Think of the gas. It's true. But someone somewhere, is, you know, it's just too much to deal with. Yeah, so just can't turn it off. I'm not yeah, flicking that switch it. on the boiler. Yeah. So there was ABCs of LCs yourself. I've heard these before. A, arrive, preferably with cape fluttering. B, blame. <laughs> Something is wrong with the management of the patient, but it's nothing to do with you. C is criticize. Canada size is an easy target. D, depart. Like and then that. in theatre, airway, breathing, chair. Good. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I have seen this phenomenon of like them coming and... Yeah, like the kind of... saviours and they just... Yeah. Kind of, you know, like the rest call goes out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the cape and the, the, un, the unwrapped theatre gown is normally the cape of choice, isn't yeah. it? Because... They've had to put that on being sat in the chair. It gets a bit cold in theatre when you're not doing much. <laughs> I'm only joking. But but the cape, yeah, that's normally the cape of choice, I feel. Yeah, they come and they hand me the Echo Pro. Like, here, take this. Let's go to buy. Like, oh. Here, take this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me. yeah. I'll do an Echo, fine. But, uh, um, yeah, and then, oh, God, this thread. I'd forgotten about this. So the How question that was asked. Have we spent too long on soft science at medical school to the extent that now the actual science of anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry is, number one, badly taught. Number two, badly understood. Number three, thought unnecessary at postgraduate level. Mm. What do you think about that? Was, did you answer this? Did you reply? I didn't answer it because I didn't feel like it was asked yeah. in any sort of good faith whatsoever. And I just didn't oh. want to engage with Oh, Tell that. us what you really feel, Bethan. Who just what the F is actual science or soft science and all I can assume maybe that's on me for making assumptions but by them saying actual science is anatomy physiology and biochemistry I assume that what they're classing as and putting in speech marks soft science is yeah. ethics communication skills things like equality mm. diversity those kind of things because I guess that's what people think of as less traditional science Saying, implying that's soft or saying that's soft, again, really irked me. Just very irksome this Sunday evening. <laughs> but and I don't like, so Johnny Gukian replied and very I rightly so asked, what is soft science? And the original poster was just, obviously didn't have an answer for that. And so you're the educationalist here, Johnny. And I was like, yeah, dude, do you like, yeah, like that's, is that meant to be funny? I don't know if it is because it's just not. But also it makes me think that you have no clue what you're talking about. And it's just, I don't know, that's why I felt like it wasn't maybe in good faith, because I feel like that was a very good question to ask, because what do you mean by soft science? Because you said what you think is actual science. Um, and for you not to have an answer to that, I just thought, what are you trying to rile up so, in people? Yeah, it's... It's a weird one, wasn't it? And I, I feel think, like... Yeah, but like also, like you need to be so like rounded as a doctor and holistic. And this is the problem with a lot of doctors, like, People are not people persons. And like you see some people like they just can't communicate. And I've had it as a patient myself where I've just thought, I'm not seeking healthcare anymore because whatever that experience was bloody awful. Yeah. Maybe they needed more of the 
whatever soft science is. That, and that's. Do you think though, with those people, sorry to interrupt, but no, no, with those people, do yeah. you think their soft science helps? Does it bring them around to? I don't know because some people think that's beneath them and they don't believe in yeah. it or whatever. So in those people, you're never going to get if that's the attitude, isn't it? But yeah, I just think maybe those people should be filtered out before they get to that point. Although that's yeah. I know that's a ridiculous take as well, but. I just don't, I don't really. know. I don't know. Do it's just think, not. No. It's just not a safe way to be. I don't think. And safety, as in that patient in front of you and getting the best yeah. care, they're really not. If you're not like, oh, I don't agree with soft science. Whatever Why it you, is. You know, you said like, didn't think it was in good faith. faith, because I certainly had my own opinions as to what I thought the question was trying to say. But I, I'm curious to know if you thought the same thing. What did you think? Often when it's when a question's asked in a certain way, but they're not, they, I don't know, it's not really a question, it's more of a statement. What do you think the so, statement underlying that was? So to me, it was, yeah, I don't see it as a question. It's like when someone says, and again, I'm making assumptions here and if I'm wrong, but this is just my opinion. When someone says that thing of, oh, just to play devil's advocate, and it's, you're not really playing devil's advocate because that's the shit response, yeah. but what you're doing is that you're just... You're putting your opinion forward, but trying to pretend that it's not your opinion because it might be a bit controversial. So for me, sure. I don't think this was like a genuine question of let's spark debate. For me, it was, I'm assuming, or I'm the insinuation I got was that medical students or early career doctors are maybe not as clever, whatever that means. Maybe they don't know as much anatomy. And that person is like, oh, actually junior doctors are not as good as they used to be they're probably spending yep. too much time on soft science that was my feeling of yeah, the underlying yeah, yeah, sentiment nice. and i just thought yeah. that's very derogatory and you have no right to say that yeah i read that too because the kids I are think... all right man yeah. i just look at some of these f1s and f2s now and what they campaign for and they know their rights and i'm just like absolutely you are bloody brilliant the measure of how much anatomy physiology and biochemistry you know does not make you a good doctor that is really not the bench the yeah. level that we should be like benchmarking people against or the item we should be benchmarking people against. There's so yeah. much more than that. Funny thing was, is that it's so the thing that I found most boring in medical school, I hated biochemistry. I hated biochemistry. I hated genetics. I think in my mind, I just, I couldn't find, I couldn't tie in how I thought they were relevant. I couldn't link it in my head to the physiology, which I found way more applicable and more interesting. Yeah. But to be honest, I found the preclinical years to be a real grind. So when it got to the clinical years, I was, it was a bit of a relief, to be honest, because I was yeah. like, I don't think I can hack many years of it. And in retrospect, sure, there's lots of things that I learned that I no longer use now. And one of the examples that was thrown up to me was, what about like the pharmacology for the drugs that you learned for atrial fibrillation? The stuff that I'm, the information or the kind of rationale and things that I'm using now, and my understanding is stuff that I've developed as a doctor, postgraduately, understanding my kind of specialty. Yeah, you didn't graduate with that information, did you? Like, because and there's stuff that you and because I was saying that we probably had a similar course. I think he went to I think he went to the same uni as me. We probably had the same course, but Mm. the he there are things that he may have taken uh, taken from it that he found way more interesting or whatever or built upon since then that he's applied to his specialty and in the same way. And I think the the advantage of the breadth of stuff that we do is that there are going to be people out there who are like, actually, this biochemistry and this genetic stuff is that, you know, is the mm. absolute amazing thing. Like, I want to do oncology or whatever, or yeah, I want to do yeah. neurology. Absolutely. And so for them, that, and so, yes, like for me, there was a bit of strife in that particular segment, but I got a bit of a breadth of knowledge. 
and got a bit of a foundation or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I see it. Like it was a thin, I, I saw it as a thinly veiled way of saying, oh, the kids these days, they just don't know anything. And I think yeah, it's easy agreed. for that to say, yeah. if you turn up to my cardiology ward round and I don't know, they don't really know how to read an ECG or whatever. I have to remember that actually when I started as an FR and yeah. ECGs hard. And how many and... ECGs have you read over your career? Oh my God, since made then. you now like oh shit my God, yeah. Them? Yeah. I, like, how you know, difficult is it to forget? I but I do think yeah. as well, yeah, and I you know, I'm like, of course, anatomy, physiology and biochemistry are, are important. And what you're saying, like this, things that I graduated with that I've maybe not, specific things that I've probably not used and thought of again. But I think learning those things at the time allowed me to adapt, like how I harness and learn information, how I analyse literature, how I analyse results and things, because... And I think this is like what we're saying sometimes about some of the kind of PA type of roles, that the way that they might yeah. be taught is all kind of pathway and protocols and algorithms. So it's very difficult to sometimes think outside the box when a patient doesn't fit these set criteria. But I think like when I doing, again, a traditional medical school course, so I did two years pre-clin, I then did a genetics degree and then did like clinical years, that genetics degree, I haven't used any of that for a long time, but the science that I learned from that just gave me a good foundation of interpreting things in medicine in general and just adapting some of the translational skills is like the good term. But someone's nice. good, that isn't it? But someone said, and I really like this, and someone said topics that people often lazily describe as soft are in fact notoriously hard. And mm. I agree with that because these soft topics, again, in quotation marks, are often things which are not factual, like black or white in yeah. Some biochemistry, you can say a level is this number and it's just fat. Mm. And the original poster, again, not a great response, said, it's amazing the number of people who have taken this at face value and those that have engaged with it as an abstract. And I just think, you're not, you're just playing that like yeah. horrible card of, oh, I'm just asking a question. But then the this person said, words matter, I'm afraid. I find it hard not to question colleagues who refer to key skills that we know improve both patient outcomes and staff well-being as soft feel free to be explicit about what the soft science is that you're referring to so that we're all clear. And then surprise, surprise, there's no reply to that. So I think that's just summing up essentially what my thoughts were, is that these are hard topics and people like brandish them as always just soft and like the kids of today, they don't know anything. It's just so short-sighted. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think the thing is, I, I reckon what's happened is They've come across a few students that don't know that much about their specialty and then they've just made a sweeping generalization. It's judgy, man. It's judgy AF. Yeah, I, I do not like it. And, yeah. yeah. And I just think as consultant, as a consultant or as a senior person, I just I think those kind of questions, they're not innocent. They're not always innocent. They, they, these questions have repercussions. And I think if I was like a medical student or a junior doctor reading that and seeing kind of people agree with them, I'd, I would feel a bit like, put out because yeah there's lots of things if all anyone, of us don't know if anyone catches me bitching about medical students they need to remind me about when i was an f1 and i showed an ecg to the medical reg who was a cardiology registrar and she said this person has atrial fibrillation they've got fast af how do i know it's fast af and i said because you're a cardiology registrar thinking i was being cute and she eviscerated me and Fair that's dues. where I came from. Yeah, that's where I came, yeah. yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, that's where dues. I came from. Just yeah, we just have to have a bit of humility and remember, actually. And I and I I hate this myself when people are like, 
they just don't remember that they were trainees at one point or you get those stories of oh they were so lovely as a reg but now they're a consultant and they're blah 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 and you just think that's such a shame yeah yeah but like talking about like perceptions and stuff though at work mm. I, I mean there's a, a tweet by rosie about kind of confidence and stuff and i think this was quite good at like how things are perceived. So I was thinking how soft science is maybe perceived can make, <laughs> I think some people think that's more of a female quality, perhaps, especially if it's to do with communication mm. skills and stuff. And Rosie did a bit of a thread. So she said that male anaesthetists self-reported higher levels of confidence than female anaesthetists at managing perioperative cardiac arrests. But yeah. what even is confidence? And why might there be differences between men and women? And you made a very good observation that often in women, it's called being like, bossy or to me it's like oh being a bit bitchy or bolshy that's like the comments I've heard or you should try and be a bit nicer and stuff but then to men it's though it's a commanding leading yeah, people yeah, think yeah. of it as very different with the same skill but yeah and I just think she goes on to say confidence is one of those things that we all know if we see it but there really isn't a fixed definition of it and she linked some reviews why might women be less likely to rate themselves as confident it's because we judge confident women harshly, which is what we're just saying. It's not congruent with that classic stereotype, typical female behavior of being the people pleaser and stuff. At cardiac arrest, women in this study consciously used strategies to avoid coming across as bossy, bitchy or mean. The men did not. This all comes at the expense of cognitive bandwidth that could be used for more useful things. Um, oh, absolutely. And I just, it's a really good thread. So that was posted by at Rosie ICM. So that's Rosie Barua. And that was posted on November the 5th. And I'll link it in the newsletter, of course, because she's linked in some great studies and papers. And, and it's just, I think everyone needs, whether you're a man or a woman, I think it's useful. It's just a very good learning. Yeah, absolutely. Because we both experience it from one way or the other, don't we, I think. Yeah. she. I think like Rosie certainly mentioned that concept of the double bind, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, spectrum in which you can operate where as you're saying you're either you, you're operating between the two extremes of either being overconfident and gobby or whatever or being underconfident and meek and there's this kind of like perfect mix in between which seems like an impossible kind of way to operate and then and the thing is though the word confidence is used so much in medicine even in our assessments and things yeah i'm is, trying yeah. to think of other ways of grading our junior colleagues on stuff is difficult mm -hmm. because it is it's so difficult to quantify and really give boundaries for confidence is like a vibe isn't it and just trying to think of other ways of doing it someone said oh i would also stress confidence doesn't always equal competence but competence again has a similar kind of like connotation um, esoteric yeah. like how do you really yeah there's no of... one way is it's not that black and white kind of thinking and right or wrong yeah. like we all feel like we have an idea of what competence and confidence look like but yeah. again that's all kind of constrained by our experiences and our preconceptions totally. so difficult i don't know why this reminded me of this it's very not very tenuous link actually but i did a, a feedback form for somebody once they weren't like a trainee so they'd created like their own feedback form on paper for their, right. for, for their appraisal and portfolio and there was a rating scheme on there and it just proper tickled me and it didn't use the word confident, but it just it used the words number of statements and it said rate them as can't comment, unsatisfactory, satisfactory. Right. And then the, the the best one was very satisfactory. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? Very... And I just thought I quite I like I don't think they intended that at all, but I was just like, Oh, 
they're not just satisfactory. They're very satisfactory on this. Yeah. But just, um, it's still, it reminded me sometimes of when you like in assessments sometimes, like you just can't do better than satisfactory. And I just find that really yeah. degrading sometimes. Yeah. Oh, you're just about good enough. You can't actually be better just than satisfactory. Yeah, you're just scraping it. Yeah. You can't be better than, that's all you're going to achieve. But right. should we go on to a few non-medical things, do you think now? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Round, round us up and to show that we are well-rounded individuals. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. A few soft topics. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah soft topics. Yeah, nice one, mate. Yeah. 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 Do you want to start with Kate Jarman's one? Yeah, because I told, oh, man, I love this. I feel like Kate's always got like a good tweet in the go. And I like, I think we mentioned one previously about her making memories for her children with family buckets of KFC, which was offered out to them. But Kate said, the good thing about this time of year is that there is no outfit that cannot be improved by the addition of a truly enormous scarf. I myself am heading to do the executive bit of trust induction wearing a scarf that could double up as a rug for a reasonably sized horse. My enormous (laughs) scarf has proved its usefulness by doubling up as a towel I forgot to check was in my child's swimming bag. Excellent and resourceful parenting. Like I've got a blanket scarf on my legs now as we speak. I just, I don't know the concept of blanket scarves when they came around. I remember buying my first one from Zara and my mum being like, what have you bought? Is that like a sofa throw? And I said, no, it's a (laughs) scarf. And she was like, but "But it's so large. And I just, I said, I think, I said it wasn't from the home section. Like it was definitely from the women's wear section. And then I used to wear it wrapped around, um, I'll send you this picture because I used to wear it wrapped around like my neck, but it was so big that you could just see like part of the tiniest part of my face, like poking out the top. It was very effective. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just so cozy and it's like you can wear it as a shawl. I'm showing my age now. But no, I, I think it's good. It's a big scarf. It needs to be more acceptable for men to be wearing these. I want to get under yeah, this. Yeah, that's, that's your Christmas present sorted, man. I'm going to get Thank you. you. A massive, yeah. like, it's, it's, you're going to be Wrap like around. a duvet mummy. or something loud. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like a mummy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh, this one's a little bit more serious. This is, it's talking about the good old days. So, my, so there's this person who's quote tweeting a quote tweet. But anyway, the original tweet by Emily K. May that said, My youngest is still napping, but during nap time, I'm unloading the dishwasher, moving the laundry, vacuuming, prepping dinner. It never ends. Laughing face emoji. And then, Rachel Wilson, Rach for patriarchy. Mm. My great grandma did this with four kids and no electric appliances to do all the work. And she never complained. She put chicken for dinner herself. Walked three miles a day till she was 98, lived to 102. She said she was grateful to have a family to care for. She was a little cockney chimney sweep. Yeah. No, but that's the vibe, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And when she was walking, she had like little shovels on her feet because she'd be shoveling the ice from the path. As, this uh, is like it, a man. Yeah. But the people that bloody stormed the cenotaph on the remembrance. These are the type of people <laughs> yeah. who think. Not oh, the Britain grandma, first. the people no. who do it. Yeah, no, exactly. The Britain first. Oh, the youth of today, so woke. Oh. But that's it, isn't it? It's... And, but someone, so someone quote tweeted this saying, I've said this before, but the reason our grandmas made it work is there was no expectation to be present or engage with your children. And it was perfectly normal to just let them cry and fend for themselves outside of keeping them alive. And you know what? That's probably true. Like, just Yeah, so much emotional damage was done from those days because there was just, there's no emotional safety. Exactly. Someone said, look, it's obviously better to play with your kids and hold your baby. But if you do that all day, it's actually quite hard to get stuff done. My mum told me that her parents would just send her off to ride her tricycle around town at the age of three and just figured she would eventually come home, lol. 
Yeah. Okay. So we knew to come home. Oh, God. I'm sounding like those boomer Facebook posts now, but who <laughs> knew it was time to come home when the street lamps turned on? And it was like that because we would just be out in the street playing. Like, obviously, it's a different yeah. time. It was 30 odd years ago. But then that's the thing. And But things were very different then. Like, mm. people probably got stuff down because we were in the street or the playing. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah it's just it's that. Also, if your name is, if you're a woman and you're advocating for the patriarchy, I've yeah, got other questions to let go. But it was one, there was one tweet as well from this week that, I don't know, maybe it's a bit too serious. I hope not. But it was about the cure for depression. And it was quite, this person, I think, who said this was quite serious. But lots of right. people quote tweeted this and ratioed them, I think. And because and, it said, the tweet was, it's so stupid yet so amazing that the only cure for depression is to brute force your way through completing tasks, even if it's extremely hard and gives you no pleasure at all. This is like, right. That doesn't sound right, does it? No. I wish it was that, man. Like, I would, if it was that, then I think we would all be okay, but it's definitely not. And I just think people have just got this such a ridiculous misunderstanding of Who's what feeling stupid, sad is. Yeah, compared to paralyzing depression. Mm. But to try and keep it a bit more lighthearted, I just was scrolling on my timeline, and the next tweet I saw was about hot water bottles. And I often okay. kid myself that my hot water bottle is going to cure everything for me. That's going to be what fixes my life. <laughs> and they said, it was just perfect timing on the algorithm. And they just said, I truly think hot water bottles can make any situation better. Cold, hot water bottle. Got tummy ache, hot water bottle. Sad, hot water bottle. Stressed, <laughs> hot water bottle. Tired of life and want to hibernate from the world forever, hot water bottle. I literally what about just, in the summer, though? Oh, just slightly cooler hot water bottle. <laughs> There's something about a hot water bottle in a furry case for me that just, and I, this, God, I sound awful, but I literally just shove it under my jumper and it's so warm and it's so cozy. And I'm just like that, like nice warm hug. I'm going to, oh God, I'm going to be that woman with the rash on her belly on her that they always bring out in med school exams because of the hot water bottle. You know, that's like is that, that particular, is it erythema oh. arabic? Agigne, Agigne, yeah, but that's yeah. from the fire. Oh, you yeah, so similar thing with hot water bottles and stuff. So whatever the heat is. I think yeah. also, along with the kind of big scarves, it needs to be more culturally acceptable for men to have hot water bottles, obviously. It does. I'm this too. Get you some like nice, maybe like a tartan case is more manly or something. I don't know. For, yeah. A manly pattern with skulls on it or something. I strike you as someone who's always worried about having a manly version of No. What about this one that you linked? <laughs> You've titled it Humans are shitbags. Can't yeah, wait to hear what this one is. Oh, it's really sad, actually, but humans are oh. shitbags. So this was someone. So Dr. Emma Beckett said, I just tripped over, just walking in a very public place. I was not, thinking about this kind of thing the other day. Yeah, not one single person asked me if I was okay. The 20-odd witnesses completely ignored me, except, this is so horrible, one random woman who did a kind of a disgusted tut said, oh, God, and rolled her eyes like me falling wrecked her day. And I just yeah. read that and I yeah. thought, yeah, humans are shitbags because yeah. you Why? just walk past that. And people do that shit. Now. They just don't oh. want to see that. I don't know. It's horrible. Why, Why is it that it's... I was thinking about this the other day because I was remembering once when someone is really... Like sometimes I get like random flashbacks of like weird or embarrassing or kind of confusing moments that I had. Yeah. And I had one at med school and I didn't know what to do at the time. And I felt I had lots, I've obviously had loads in the course of my life. But one particular episode was where I was walking with some people in my like lecture, like two girls walking downstairs. And one of the girls trips 
and falls down two stairs. So she falls straight forward. And I was like, and then I remember going to help her up. She, no, no, no. And she did this whole thing where she obviously like super embarrassed or something and didn't want me to touch it. And then almost ran to the mm. And I remember feeling really confused in that moment because she'd just fallen down, which is something that happens. And yeah. obviously feeling she was, this was like a moment of shame or something. I felt the shame. Mm. And feeling really confused. Like, what? Oh, and I felt like I somehow perpetuated the shame by... By acknowledging. Like, maybe, yeah. Yeah. And you maybe I should have. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I should... I don't know. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so then... And it just... I, it occurred to me the other day because I was like thinking to myself, isn't it weird that there is shame associated with falling? It's something that happens. Yeah. When your kids because you Why think like them? the human thing is to care and to, like you say, like you did, just check, oh, are you okay? But then that perpetuates someone's embarrassment and then yeah because it drew attention to it yeah and that's and then they cast you in that bad light because oh why are you drawing attention yeah i guess this? in that moment she's probably yeah oh, it's oh it's horrible uh, when you fall yeah i remember falling last year on the ice and i was walking the dog and it was like it was quite public and it was like near a main road and stuff and i remember feeling that shame i felt because i knew it was going to happen but i had to go out and so i slipped yeah. and the dog was just like confused and she ran off and no one kind of stopped. And I remember feeling so embarrassed that I did consider for a while whether to be like unconscious for a bit so that people would like. <laughs> and I was thinking, should I just close my eyes and pretend to be dead for a little bit? And then oh, all man. those cars that saw it happen have now moved on. So they've not seen yeah, me. But yeah. then I thought, why do oh, I, I care? Don't. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I do find it hard when people don't help in those kind of things. It just makes me really sad that Korea you're not. Alone. Yes, and it's like, why are but, we like this now? It's I like, you know, during the claps thing, I, remember, you know, the I was going for a run and I remember thinking, oh no, what time is it? And then I thought well, they people are going to And I was like, oh no, they're going to start clapping for me. So I, t I thought, oh, I'll run faster, get home before. With your hands in the air, like, no. And then I fell over and oh. then I was like, oh shit. And then I was like, oh, what do I do? And then oh. I like up and just kept running and I was like, oh, people are clapping, slow it down. It was just so wrong. It like the really... fastest sprint you'd ever done in your life. Yeah, just like, to... And they hit the deck. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. And I think what I realized as you get older and th this happened like last year was when this particular fall on the <laughs> ice is that when you fall and people no longer laugh, but they go, oh, shit, is oh, when you realize yeah, you've hit like a old. certain age where it's probably yeah. not safe for your bones to fall anymore. And, yeah. But it's it's. It's distressing when people don't even they don't laugh or they don't no, say no, no, or shit they're just completely oblivious it's yeah. invisible isn't it must, that's not right i'm glad we're ending on this last one tell us uh, this one is from nathan howe it's a really nice thread so this yeah this is good so therusha linked this and i just feel i just needed to see this i don't know what it's a brilliant analogy at nate howe so nathan howe said several years ago a neighbor kid kicked a football and shattered a small basement window we were a family of six living on a teacher's salary, so I boarded it up thinking I'd get to it someday. Over the years, I'd sometimes get estimates from window companies. The plan was to upgrade the window and estimates were coming in at $15,000 and it was just simply out of reach. In the meantime, the boarded window let in bugs but not light. One contractor explained that the location of the window with the frame embedded in the foundation meant that whoever replaced it would need to chisel it out by hand and that would be a very labour-intensive and expensive process. So he goes on to say, the thought of that window ate at me for years. 
every time I went down there, every time I went to the hardware store, it nagged at me. I knew I needed to address it, but I had built up the process so much in my mind that I was paralyzed. Then circumstances changed. We needed to move. And I knew that a potential buyer couldn't get a loan on the property if there was a broken window. So he pulled off all the boards to face this thing head on after five years. And lo and behold, he managed to grab some WD-40, do what he needed to do with his rusted frame. And all that took minutes and $12 to fix. So five years he'd spent putting that off, thinking it was going to cost 15 grand. And in the end, that's all it took. And he just used that analogy to think, I could have fixed that problem for $12 the same day it happened five years ago, but I let it haunt me for years, shutting out light and letting in bugs. I finally fixed it for for somebody else when the house was empty. It didn't need to be the most efficient. It just needed to be a window. So it's, it's a parable. Many of us, especially those with ADHD, anxiety or depression, tend to live with broken windows of one type or another for years. Everybody's broken windows are different. They are things that seriously affect our quality of life and we know they need work, but the actions to address them seem too daunting. I've still got plenty of them myself. And if you recognize yours, a few things to know. Good learning for all of us, I think. Mm -hmm. An imperfect solution now is better than a perfect solution that will never happen. Doing the thing is often less painful than thinking about doing the thing. Acknowledging how the problem is affecting you can reduce its power over you. Don't blame yourself for dwelling on your broken windows. Just enjoy the light when you fix one. That's really hard to do, I think. There are some windows you can't fix by yourself, so find the right help. And you don't have to fix it all now. Just start by starting. And I just, I felt like this spoke to me because I was like, thank you so much. Like, I just needed to hear that because it's right, isn't it? Like, we just procrastinate and we put off all these things and then they snowball and they become huge things in our head. And then you do it and you think, oh my gosh, that just... That was fine. But I feel like I never learned from that experience that I still let these things like snowball and snowball. Yeah, so true. So, yeah, um, broken windows. We've all got them. We've all got them. Yeah. That was a nice note to end on. Um, yeah. Go fix your windows, people. Go fix or your start windows, by fixing track. Yeah. Just think, think about, about it. it. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't have to be that big a deal. But if it is, don't be too hard on yourself about it. Yeah. yeah that's the key, isn't it? It's so hard, but that's the key. We're all imperfect human beings. Right. Man, this is sincere for us. Like, Yeah, I know. What's God, going okay. on? I like I this version of us. I like it. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> all right, speak to you all. Well, till next week. Bye, See you everyone. On the flip side. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.